0: Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. Welcome to the
1: Hello from From the Plover's Podcast, my name is Max Esperance. I'm a one-year Master of Business Analytics student here at Tulane University. I am a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation Design Thinking. I plan to be a business intelligence analyst in the future and work my way up the corporate ranks at a major company. I'm also interested in real estate art and sculpture. I was born in Haiti and I have a military background. Here with me today is my co-host, Michaeline Engelmeyer.
2: Hi everyone, my name is Michaeline Engelmeyer. I'm a first year student in the Master of Public Health Nutrition program. I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center, and I hope to one day work in the area of international nutrition as a registered dietitian. Today, uh, we will be discussing an interview with Rebecca Otten. Rebecca is a professor of practice and the director of strategy and engagement at the Taylor Center. She facilitates the Taylor Center's field leadership campus and community partnerships, and she uh, works in program assessment. She also teaches introduction to social innovation and social entrepreneurship, as well as cultivate your interchange maker and works with Growdat Youth Youth Farms, a local organization that nurtures a diverse group of young leaders through the meaningful work of growing food.
1: So Um, for this
2: podcast today. Oh, sorry, Max. Yeah, I was just
1: going to ask you, uh, what are you excited to hear about uh, from this podcast?
2: Well, personally i'm i'm really looking forward to learning more about the projects and innovations that professor otten has brought to tulane um also professor otten holds a masters of public health and i'm a masters of public health candidate so i'm really interested to learn about how she's utilized her education and her career with the taylor center
1: what about you i'm interested in hearing more about her work in social innovation with the uh, taylor center for social innovation design thinking as she spearheads and advances the social innovation and social entrepreneurship minor here at Tulane, um, let's let's have a listen.
3: Yeah, so I um, was a student that was supposed to start at Tulane as an undergraduate in August two thousand five. So I moved onto campus and then basically the same day left because of Hurricane Katrina. So. Wow. I remember we were going to convocation, which I didn't know at the time was supposed to be like a fancy ceremony. And Scott Cowan, who was president at the time, was up there in shorts and a t-shirt and said, we're so excited you're here, but there's this storm in the Gulf. And so we're gonna close down campus for a few days. If you, um, if your parents are here, you should leave with them. And if not, We have like we'll we'll be able to get you out. Don't worry about it. But if your parents are here, you should probably go with them. So I was in Baton Rouge for the storm, and then we realized that it was going to be more than a couple days. So drove home, and then at some point in that process, realized that it was going to be more than a couple weeks. Um, Came back. I I went to a university near my hometown. Came back in 2006, and that really shaped my undergraduate experience at Tulane. Right. Um. I've read Bornstein's book, which is the book we actually, one of the textbooks we use in the intro to social innovation class in an international development class my sophomore year. And the the text and the stories really resonated with me. It, it felt like it kind of gave language and a field to some of the things I was thinking about. Um, and so I kind of tried to create my own social innovation experience as an undergraduate student at Tulane. I don't have very much background in design and learned essentially all of my design thinking through my colleagues at Taylor who had more of that background and or were kind of learning it before me. Over a couple of years we kind of had this conversation and I think we've all landed in that we never want SICE, social innovation, social entrepreneurship to be a standalone major. Like we don't want someone Mm -hmm. to be able to graduate from Tulane and just have SICE because it's really a lens that you add on to the discipline that's your home discipline, whether that's anthropology or economics or chemistry. Um, It's really... It, it's complementary to those other areas of discipline but we really want students to still de- develop a depth of expertise in that other discipline so I felt like the master's in public health health really helped push me to think more about working at the institutional and environmental level as opposed to like myself as an individual or other people's individuals or like family units or community I think I'd certainly have inhabited mindsets of design thinking and social innovation that that I can use in my day-to-day work, uh, I don't think it necessarily, like, someone else might not be able to clearly identify, like, oh, you're using a design thinking strategy, yeah, Um, but I think the idea of being iterative and that it, the whatever the thing is doesn't have to be perfect, um, because Mm -hmm. even if it is perfect, as soon as it gets out the door and interacts with other people, it's going to change, yeah, um, so I think being willing to kind of, put things I'm working on out there in front of people a little bit sooner than I would have otherwise because I can kind of tend to be a perfectionist. <laughs> um, I think like something I've learned a lot is like how to ask questions and how to ask good questions and how to maybe reframe the way I'm thinking by thinking about questions. I think one of the reasons social innovation resonated with me always um, was that it felt hopeful and optimistic and I um, I didn't I didn't have to get overwhelmed by all the problems and how big all the problems are. They are big problems, and I need to deeply understand that problem. But I can, there are ways that I can engage and that I can encourage others to engage in the solutions. And so I think that is something that is very prevalent in my work. But I would actually say that was kind of always a part of. Um, Of my personality, and that's one of the reasons why social innovation resonated with me as an undergraduate student. Yeah. If that's still relevant. Yeah. So, how how does that work? Yeah. So, I started working with GrowDat Youth Farm, I think in fall 2014. I was the teaching assistant for another colleague's um, introduction to social innovation and social entrepreneurship class. And I knew of GrowDat because. GrowDot actually got started through a program we tried out for a year and we didn't end up continuing to pursue, but um, it was identifying, I think it's called the Urban Innovators um, Mm -hmm. Program, and so they, uh, through that process, uh, they identified three urban, four urban innovators, and one of them was Johanna Gilligan, who was the founder of Grodat Youth Farm. And so I didn't work with her directly during that fellowship, but I certainly like heard about the development of Grodat kind of while I was doing other work in the social innovation space at Tulane while that was happening. So it was cool to be able to see it if kind of a few years later. Um, by then, the School of Architecture had designed this beautiful eco campus in City Park, yeah. um, and they had really refined their leadership program, which is kind of the entr- the the first way that young people can get engaged at CRODAT, And the reason they were partnering with my colleague Josh Shoup was um, to think about how this could be a meaningful service learning experience for Tulane undergraduates, while mm-hmm. at the same time helping. GRODAT youth farm develop an advanced leadership program um, which was ways that like if young people participated in the leadership program and we're really interested in continuing to work with GRODAT how they could actually continue to develop their facilitation skills and their knowledge um, in a way that supported the leadership program and so What I really love about that model is the young people that grow at hires are Mm -hmm. in charge of the the undergraduate students who often are older than them um, and who in many respects may um, have more institutional power than them. And, And I've found there to be really amazing transformation both from Tulane students Feeling like, like reflecting on the fact that um, the young people really were amazing leaders and facilitators, and um, felt like peers as opposed to high schoolers. Um, and I think the thing for me that was more that's been more interesting is hearing the reflections from the young people and the the confidence that they build through this experience of like, wow, if I can lead college students. I can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's been really amazing. And I think for me, that has been, has had more of an impact on why I want to continue the partnership is the, the sense of confidence and efficacy that it gives to the young people that GrowDat is working with. I mean, I think design thinking is a set of habits and mindsets that can be incorporated in day-to-day life um, beyond like a, you know, it's not it's not a like six step process and you always go through this process exactly the way it is and so um, I definitely see there being value in incorporating this uh, incorporating design thinking as a method into the K through 12 education system. Um, I think one of the more recent things I've seen is actually um, examples of systems thinking and how systems thinking can be infused in K through 12 education and how that can Um, really be transformational for students. And so I I think there's an interesting connection between systems thinking and design thinking. Uh, And I've certainly seen examples of how it's adapted and used um, all through the K through 12 system and how that can prepare students in a very unique way for higher education opportunities and for opportunities outside of um, school. Well, I have a research project that I started, and I'd love to be able to finish that. Um, that's working with GrowDot Youth Farm and their visions curriculum. So mm-hmm. um, one of the things that's been really integral to uh, the, the service learning partnership with GrowDot Youth Farm is oh. we... Take Tulane students through five modules of this visions multiculturalism curriculum that Grodet uses as kind of core to their organizational culture, and the reason for that is because Grodet was, you know, as Grodet was thinking about engaging Tulane students in service learning, they were they realized that they really wanted students to understand um, how Grodet operates, how they. They make decisions, how they develop programs, and that that was only gonna happen if students understood this multiculturalism framework that they were working from. Um, so the research is just really dipping our toes into kind of explore the exploratory research around like, what's the impact of this type of service learning partnership combined with that vision's curriculum um, on Tulane students? Uh, I would love to then go to how, what has the impact been on the young people at Groudat, Um mm-hmm. as, you know, continue, as they're continuing to work at Grodat or as alums. Um, I've previously talked with Grodat about like, could we interview the parents of those alums to kind of get another point? So not just self-reflection on what the young people feel like they've experienced, but like how do other people in their life see the evidence of the ways they have changed and grown through GROWDAT um, and then what part did might the service learning class have played a role in? Um, So I think there's tons of potential research around the value of this type of service learning model as well as the value of the Visions curriculum Um, that would be really interesting to continue to explore if I had the time to do more of that research, I would definitely <laughs> pursue it. Um, I think related to that, for me, um, thinking more about how we can continue to embed this visions curriculum throughout the IC minor, through other programs that we offer at Taylor, but also in in partnership with other centers and programs and policies on Tulane's campus um, is yeah. something I'm really interested in continuing to pursue. So. Um, this year, we're going to try out teaching some of the other modules in the visions framework in upper class, uh, upper level classes in social innovation, and we've got some some staff, faculty, and student leaders in other parts across other parts of campus that are interested in seeing like how this model could be used in their co-curricular and curricular settings. Okay, um, and then. Uh, What's one thing you you would really try to communicate to people who who don't know anything about social innovation or design thinking? That's like your one big tip. I mean, I think for me it's really important that students continue to take a really critical view. So I said earlier like I think one of the reasons social innovation really Um, resonated with me was that it was optimistic and hopeful and um, I think as I've learned more about social innovation it's really helped deepen my like understanding why I need to know the problem so deeply in order to be able to address them with solutions Um, so recognizing that this is a young field and there. are There are lots of different ways that people are defining social innovation or figuring out what's within the realm of social innovation versus what's perhaps another type of social change um, strategy. And that even if social innovation is the one that resonates with you right now, that doesn't mean that social innovation is the solution, is the model that should be used to address every single social problem. Um, and that the way people talk about social innovation in the United States is different than the way people talk about social innovation in Europe, in Latin America, in um, South, Af- South Africa, the Sub-Saharan Africa. So yeah, I think it's like, it's, we should be critical, thinking critically, and not necessarily just latching onto it because it makes us feel better than some other um, models.
1: Wow, what an interesting lesson that was. Uh, Professor Rebecca Ayn really opened up my eyes to some uh, different things. Uh, Michaeline, what did you learn from her about design thinking, uh, design, and social innovation?
2: Well, as Professor Ayn mentioned, um, it can be really overwhelming for her from a public health perspective to think about all of these like big, complex problems that we try to solve as public health professionals but by encouraging others to engage in solutions rather than allowing big problems to overwhelm her and taking solutions little by little, she can make more of a difference rather than just being paralyzed in the overwhelm. Um, So breaking things down bit by bit and enlisting the help and support of others has been, in my personal life, a way that I'm able to manage overwhelming situations. So it was really interesting and enlightening to think of applying this to my professional life and my work in design as well.
1: Well, I couldn't have said it any better myself, Michaeline. My I learned from her to be iterative and being willing to put things in front of people a little bit sooner than I otherwise would. Um, because whatever the thing is doesn't have to be perfect. This process aligns neatly with formal strategies and design known as idea ideation and prototyping. Perhaps most importantly, she says that this mindset has taught her how to ask good questions and how to reframe the way I'm thinking by thinking about these questions. Um, so Michaelina, as two students who are not formal designers, what advice uh, did you take away from this episode for non-designers who are using design methods?
2: Um, well, I loved her notion about utilizing social innovation and social entrepreneurship as a lens, um, like a tool to utilize within your home discipline rather than using it as a standalone field of study. It's a way to bring the design perspective to many different disciplines and areas of study and help broaden social understanding. So I really love that idea of you know, incorporating a design perspective into nutrition, which is my home discipline. So it's got me thinking about how I can incorporate design principles into my work as a future public health and nutrition professional, or even right now as a student. Did you take away anything about uh, using design methods in your own
1: discipline? She says that applying the design mindset has made her look at systemic levels and how that has impact on wealth and well-being to continue to develop thinking more, more at the institutional and environmental levels. She has taken aspects of design thinking that may not be concrete steps and applied them to her own projects. Aten mentions being iterative and being willing to put things in front of people a little bit sooner. Uh, just, uh, you know, like I uh, answered to the question previously, um, uh, just as I answered to the questions previously. So it's along the same lines of uh, thinking about situations, analyzing them, and re- and reframing those questions and asking those questions in a way that will uh, help you uh, create new ideas and, and soon move on to uh, uh, prototyping.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a really interesting perspective. Um, so how, how do you feel like uh, Professor Otten's story resonated with your experiences or the work you do in your discipline and your identities and the communities you belong to?
1: So this, this resonates very well with my experiences because all the work and all the things I do and the things that I'm going to do is based on the experiences that I have. Um, like her works, uh her working at the taylor center um is very very great for her and her staying uh at tulane um coming back working at Tulane is something that that uh you know pretty much uh was a catapult in her career and that was due to the fact that she went through the whole katrina experience so um, I would say it resonates very well because I do hold a lot of value to my experiences. And um, it's something that I admire is, is, is her uh, coming back to NOLA and working here. What about you, Michael?
2: Yeah, well, Professor Otten begins her interview by talking about how her undergraduate career began in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. And her story kind of felt like it paralleled the story of the COVID lockdowns. You know she talked about how they thought this would be able they, they thought they'd be able to return to campus in a few days and then a few days turned into a few weeks and eventually students had to make other arrangements for the semester and professor otten wasn't able to return to tulane until 2006. um i was evacuated from my peace corps post in mozambique pretty abruptly due to covid and it kind of felt like for a while life was on pause and like the whole world was just waiting to see how things would move forward but Eventually decisions had to be made, you know life continued to go on So I had to decide if I would wait for Peace Corps to be reinstated to apply for a job to go back to school All of this from like a place of total uncertainty So trying to make something stable out of nothing. I chose grad school Um, And I chose to continue the public health work that I had begun in my tenure as a Peace Corps volunteer and I chose to do my first year as a remote student so I could remain in Chicago close to friends and family amid you know, such uncertainty. Um, and that's similar to how Professor Otten began her undergraduate career. So just incredibly uncertain, but she became interested in design work through all of it. So I hope I can kind of alchemize this tumultuous experience into something valuable just as Professor Otten has. Um, yeah.
1: Well it. well said. Well yeah, said. so
2: it was it was great. Um, was there anything that you felt like in this podcast you wanted to learn more about?
1: Uh, keep, or if you could
2: uh, ask uh, another question, what would it be?
1: I'll keep it short. I would just like to ask her to go in detail about Growdat and how that company came to be. So that's that's about the only thing I'd I'd, I'd ask her more about.
2: Yeah, it's a great organization. Um, we work with it a little bit as a nutrition department. But personally, I would love to learn more about Professor Otten's upbringing, as she didn't go super in-depth in her interview, and I would just like to know how that set her up for a life of working in service learning and social innovation.
1: Well, thank you, Michaeline, for uh, come joining us today on this episode. Um, we hope to welcome you back soon. And for our listeners, please feel free to check the Taylor website and let us know what you think and comment. Thank you, have a great one. Thank you once again, Michaeline.
2: Yeah,
0: thank you. We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 SCI 3010 class, Levante, Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to Taylor at tulane.edu. And also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.